Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me today. Nobody riding solo to kick off this new year, this MJ year, 2023, uh, Taylor and the Shark, not able to join me today. It's always difficult nailing down schedules this first week of January. People traveling, people trying to get back to the grind. I know I am back to the rat race, unfortunately. Today, getting back into the 9 to 5, the epitome of ripping the Band-Aid off. But we got it done. We slogged through the day. And uh, we're hoping that January is going to be a nice, nice opener to the year going dry like I do every single January on top of that doing whole 30 got to really clean the pipes uh reset reset the to neutral because I was a glutton over the holidays but that's exactly what the holidays are for so I don't really have any shame I'm not disappointed or anything like that but January is certainly a time to really regroup wake up without hangovers Uh, and be sharp. So I'm excited for that. But I am going solo today. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the week this week, Ashton Hagens, former Kentucky guard. A little bit of a Easter egg. We have Ashton Hagens' former teammate from Kentucky joining us later today. I'm really excited to dive into that interview and, and have you guys hear that. But Ashton Hagens, he is your college trooper of the week. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at Colin at RoyalDigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at RoyalDigital.co. Make sure to check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com, and you can always follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains on 2023. Oh! 
All right, we got a terrific episode coming for you. An awesome, awesome interview with former Bucknell and Kentucky Wildcat, Nate Sestina. I don't know if you guys remember Nate Sestina, one of the better glue guys during his time, had an amazing collegiate career filled with so many stories, and you'll you'll hear more. You'll hear the details of it. But if I were to write the Nate Sestina biography, I think the title of the book would be Nate Sestina, colon, Ups and Downs. This guy went through peaks and valleys to the fullest extent. We're talking injuries. We're talking COVID. But we're also talking some league championships. We're talking some NCAA tournament berths. We're talking about the fact that he played at probably the greatest college basketball program in our game. Obviously, that's Kentucky. So Nate Sestina, what I found most inspiring, really, was how he was able to bounce back after all of those lows and create the highs for himself. And he comes from a wonderful background in doing research on him. He's over in Turkey right now playing professionally. Uh, so Nate Sestina was a, a true blast and, and a treat for us to get onto theater in college hoops. We want to thank him for his time. And we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, I'm going to add some filler content uh, surrounding that interview and what I want to do before we get to that interview, just start with this Ross Dellinger tweet. News, NCAA Transformation Committee's final report recommends an expansion of championship tournaments to incorporate 25% of teams. NCAA basketball tournament would expand to around 90 teams. However, individual sport oversight committees will give final approval. Please no. Oh my God, I'm like out of breath, exhausted, tired of having to deal with this constant rumor flying around. This actually, this would be more troubling and more upsetting to me than anything dealing with the FBI probe that launched in 2017. I think this would actually shatter the bedrock of the College Basketball Foundation. Going, We've already gone from 64 to 68 teams. Fine. I'm all right with that additional four teams. It's been floated around, but... I don't know if it's been said better that 64 teams was perfect. 68 teams, fine. 90 teams? What are we doing here, folks? We can't have this expansion. If there's one thing I'm going to be 10 toes deep on, it's that we're going to preserve the NCAA tournament to be 68 teams. Now, of course, this is for folks that, I don't know, maybe aren't, aren't super into college basketball, but love the NCAA tournament. Lifers like me, the shark and Taylor, we're going to watch regardless. I don't care if it's a million teams, we're going to end up watching, but it just stinks. I don't need 90 teams. It dilutes the product and, and it dilutes the greatest postseason tournament in all of sports. That's the one thing college basketball has on a lot of other sports. I don't think there's a playoff more exciting, more fulfilling, more more enticing than March Madness. And if we continue to grow these teams to 90, I mean, what the hell is the point of the regular season, I suppose? There's no stakes. There's there's no there's I mean think about the bubble teams if we go to 90 teams. A bubble team is probably a really bad team that has no business playing in postseason basketball. So I mean 90 teams is a huge jump. We're looking at 22 additional teams. Think about those 22 additional teams and the quality of, of product that we're going to get. 
I can't deal with it. I'm very tired of it. I'm really hoping that there's not, um, that this doesn't get pursued, but I suppose we'll just have to wait and see because it seems as if college basketball is always twink, uh, 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 trying to uh, tinker. I should say that's the word I'm looking for trying to tinker and, and change and update. And I'm like, guys, you have a perfect product. If it ain't broke, don't break it. I believe that was Wheezy F baby. All right. There's your musical reference for the day, but I had to get that off my chest. I was hoping I didn't have to address this again, but there have been tweets regarding this in the past few weeks, in the past few months, even in the off season where it's a little bit more now where we have to take this seriously. And I don't know how to oppose that little old me, little old titch uh, probably isn't going to be heard, but I had to get that off my chest. Please, for the love of God, keep this at 68 teams. All right. Let's go ahead now without any further delay and get to our interview with Nate Sestina, former Bucknell Bison and Kentucky Wildcat. All right. We are so lucky to welcome to the program an all Patriot League player, former Bucknell Bison and Kentucky Wildcat. We got Nate Sestina joining us to kick off the new year. How great is that? Nate, happy new year. How you doing, man? I'm good. Happy new year to you as well. I'm doing great. I can't complain. Hey, where, where are you at right now? I am in uh, Ankara, Turkey. I'm playing with uh, Turk Telecom. Okay. All right. And so I, I know Nate and I have been going back and forth trying to schedule this. And we've had some players overseas jump on. We had Giddy Potts. I think he's in Italy. How are you enjoying Turkey? I love it. Honestly, uh, I was here last year. I played on a, uh, on a different team. Um, it was like my first like real year overseas, like the, the whole 10-month season. It was uh, – it was a grind, man. It was a grind. But this year has been, uh, you know, nothing short of special, nothing short of fun because it's I'm, I'm on an, uh, an incredible team and an incredible organization. And, and we're playing two times a week. We're in European competition. So as basketball players, nothing better than playing two times a week. Yeah, I'm always curious to know what some of the similarities, maybe differences are between high level American hoops right at the college level versus going to play in Europe, but you're at now at a professional level. What were some of the things that maybe you had to adjust to and, and some of the items and, and, and pace of play, anything like that, where you're sort of saying to yourself, damn, this is different. For sure. I would say, uh, you know, the, the length of the season, like, you know, you're, you're really, you're really in here for, from middle of August to middle of May. And if that's if you don't make the playoffs, if you make the playoffs, you're here till June, middle of June. I, my first year, I came home like June 15th from Israel. So it's it's a long season and the travel's crazy. You I mean, we like I was telling you earlier, we play twice a week. So, you know, on Monday we might leave for, you know, Tel Aviv and then you play Wednesday, you get back, you know, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon. And then you got another game Saturday or Sunday. So you're, it's, it's a quick turnaround. But it's really similar, I think, uh, to conference play in college. And, and you're playing two times a week no matter what in college as well. You might like For Bucknell, we played Wednesday, Saturday, sometimes on Sunday or Monday with CBS games. But that, that quick turnaround and just you know, taking care of the body, eating right, getting enough sleep, uh, I think as, as a professional for me, the last – this year especially, I, I've – really embrace taking care of my body um and doing that with eating right and and doing the right stuff there uh i'm working with a nutritionist over here she's amazing 
and our, our strength and conditioning coach is, is high level. So it's not just how much weight can you lift, you know, how, how strong are you? It's more functionality and taking care of the body, making sure you're doing the right stuff and injury prevention and things like that. That makes sense, Nate. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I'm actually diving in on that journey. Certainly not to the extent that you are, but these past holiday season, I had way too much to eat, way too much to drink. <laughs> so for me now, I will be uh, entering dry January. All right. I'm going to even do a whole 30 because uh, the pipes need to be cleaned out here. Uh, so I may need to get your nutritionist number. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I can help you out there. Dry. Hey, that's big time, by the way, too. And that's, that's a big time commitment and you're going to feel a whole lot better doing it. Absolutely. So Nate, one of the big reasons, probably the biggest reason why you're able to join us here is because we share a mutual contact. You're obviously closer to him than I am, but we had Omar Samhan on a couple weeks ago and he had some terrific stories. And I, what I, what I like to do whenever we get a referral is play that exact audio. So Nate, I'm going to play exactly what Omar said when I asked him who should jump onto the program. And I'm going to ask you that as well at the end of this program, but here's what Omar had to say. Nate Sestina from Kentucky, big white kid from Kentucky. He's my client. He's awesome. He's a great talker, and he has some unreal stories, especially with Maxie and, and, and some of the guys he was playing with. What's it like working with Omar? Oh, man. Oh, is a uh, – oh, he's – man, he's crazy. He's – it's so wild because I remember watching him in the NCAA tournament, and I was I was younger, but I remember, like, I watch, as soon as March comes around, my TV, my house, and my dad's classroom when he was teaching was strictly basketball. And I just remember, like, man, this guy is really killing the game right now. This is nuts. And then it didn't click with me when I when he first called me in uh, 2020 when we were getting ready to do the whole, you know, I'm getting ready to sign with an agent. I'm like, oh, that's, that's the guy from St. Mary's. That's nuts. Like, I'm going to learn so much from this guy. And it you know, here I am three years later, it's, it's been, it's been an incredible three years. And, uh, and I'm sure you got to talk to O and his journey and how basketball is just, it's full of highs and lows. It's full of ups and downs and, you know, good times, bad times. And it makes you love it. It makes you hate it. But at the end of the day, if you can, you know, you can kind of embrace that love hate relationship. It can, it can take you some pretty incredible places. He's definitely one of the funnier interviews we've had. I like to say self-aware. He may have been a little too self-critical. He get, just kept saying, he's like, oh, look, I wasn't athletic at all, yada, yada. But I was like, man, you were effective as hell. He sure was, man. I, we, I still make fun of him because we, when I was doing pre-draft stuff, pre-draft was like eight months long during COVID. So it's, I, was, I spent way too much time with him. And I feel bad because I took him away from his family. And, uh, but he, he embraced me and he, you know, he really brought me in, took – he took the best care of me for about eight months and we'd be playing one-on-one -on -one late at night. And I'm like, dude, I'm dieting like crazy. I'm taking care of myself. I'm working out three, like trying to be in the best shape. And he and I are playing ones at night and he's like seven feet, like 300 pounds. I'm like, bro, you are so like, you're so big and you're so like clunky and weird and it's hard to guard you. But then like when I'm on offense, I'm trying to like, boom, boom. And he's not going anywhere. I was like, that's why you were a problem because you can't move. Like you, nobody can move you. Yeah, it, he was he was a force certainly to be to be reckoned with, and it's it's very refreshing, Nate, because I feel like you know you had referenced watching March Madness. That's exactly how we are. Once that calendar flips to March, that's what we're watching. 
Um, and you had mentioned some of the, your favorite memories and, and watching Omar and you're like, Oh, that's the dude from, from St. Mary's. And I want to sort of dive in now to your time at Bucknell and also Kentucky, of course, we'll get to that. But one of my fondest memories of the tournament was in 2005, watching Bucknell pick off Kansas. You were, oh, yeah. I think eight years old, man. Were you watching that game? I don't remember distinctly watching that game, but I remember just the aftermath of every every commercial, every when they when they're and there's a timeout of another game, they're just showing Chris McNaughton hitting that shot. And my assistant coach at the time at Bucknell, John Griffin, was on that team. And he still talks about that shot. Like, I'm like, okay, dude, you know, you have three sons, an amazing wife, an incredible family. Like, talk about something else, but as you're well aware with the mid-major school and, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to be in that position to have something like that really happen for you and your program. I'm, I didn't even win a game in the NCAA tournament. I still talk about the NCAA tournament. I'm like, man, we, we were so close to beating Michigan state. We almost got West Virginia. And I'm like, these guys really beat Kansas on honestly an incredible shot. And Chris McNaughton, he, he came back to Bucknell and talked to us about it. Um, And just what that means. And I think, Unfortunately, I didn't get the opportunity to have that same, you know, same feeling. But the impact that my my group of uh, recruiting class, my recruiting class and the guys above me and the guys below me in that four years I was there, um, the hopeful impact that we've left behind and, you know, carrying on that tradition is what we were you know, brought there to do. 100%. I think carrying the tradition is actually a wonderful way of putting it because in 2005, for me, I was 15 years old and I had no idea about Bucknell basketball. And I think that that win over Kansas, like everyone knows Kansas, Wayne Simeon was a problem then. That's Bill Self, right? Bucknell ends up winning and now you sort of see, damn, Bucknell is one of those mid-majors where I'm not shocked to see them in the NCAA tournament at that 12, 13 line or, or whatever it may be. And you referenced those great games against Michigan state and West Virginia that you were a part of. And we're going to get to that as well. Nate, I'm curious though. The reason I brought up uh, another reason th- why I brought up that Kansas win in 2005 was, you know, you fast forward to your recruiting process and you obviously choose Bucknell. Was that part of the decision-making criteria for Nate Sestina and going to Bucknell what what were some of the other uh, deciding factors? Tell us about your recruiting process, if you can. Uh, well, I'm from a really really small town. I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of that it's. I got about 1,900 people. I got two stoplights. Well, one now. I think one doesn't work anymore. The one right by my house. So it's more of a four way stop. But uh, Bucknell is about two and a half hours away from home. And naturally, as a kid, I'm the youngest of five. I grew up in a really big family, really close knit family. Um, I didn't want to go somewhere super far away where my, my, my mom and dad couldn't come and watch me play. That was a huge thing for me was uh, I wanted them to be able to see me play. And it just so happened my sister lived in Gettysburg at the time, and she was about an hour and 30, hour and 40, depending on how fast she drove. Uh, I won't tell that out loud because my mom would be mad at me. But she was able to get the game. She was at every one of my college game, college home games except for two. And the one one game she was in the hospital, she was sick, and the other one was uh, the weather. So even when I was hurt my freshman year, she she was there. But um, what what I I went to Bucknell because of uh, that that winning tradition. Honestly, um, I pride myself on being a winner. I hate I hate losing. If you talk to anybody that knows me, I am I'll put myself in the top ten most competitive people I know, and uh, it's it's just something that I've I've pride like pride. 
no, prided, no. I don't even know the right word there. I pride myself on winning, and and I want to always win everywhere I go. I want to win championships. I want to hang banners. I want to have rings, all of it. And it started when I was a little kid, and in uh, during the recruiting process, I went to uh, Bucknell camp, and they I was not on anybody's radar or anything like that. I didn't even have an offer uh, to play Division One basketball going into my senior year, like nothing in the spring, nothing throughout my junior year. So that summer going into my senior year, I went to Bucknell camp and Cornell camp. Um, I played pretty well at uh, Cornell camp and at Bucknell camp for, you know, some reason, whatever uh, God's decision to, you know, bless me with an awesome, awesome weekend. I played out of my mind. I played really, really well. And I was able to space the floor and shoot the ball the way that I was like, man, I know that I can do this. And I had never shot the ball that well. And I defended, I did everything I wanted to do, you know, to, to show these coaches like this, I'm serious. Um, Coach Paulson had come up to me and was like, hey, uh, you know, you are, you're playing really well. We'd like to, you know, follow up with you. Like, what's your, what's the rest of your summer look like? And I was like, I'm going to be in Philly for about a week for the hoop group stuff. And I said that I'm going to national in Louisville. And he was like, awesome. And Charles Lee, who is a Bucknell legend and to this day, is probably the biggest reason I, I went there. Um, he was the only coach on that staff at the time that told Coach Paulson, this kid is 100% going to be a Division One basketball player. Because I was iffy. I was like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, like, I wasn't even really 6'8". And my body was kind of weird. I was decently athletic. Like, it was just, I was in a weird, I was in a, my, my dad always says a tweener spot. I was in between. I, I, was I a three? Was I a four? Was I a five? You know, so I, I really didn't know, but um, Coach Lee was like, "No, this kid has has an opportunity to, you know, we just got to buy him, we got to trust him, and trust that he's going to work hard." And uh, he kept in contact with me, and during the whole the whole summer, I I, I was like, "Man, I I want to go to Bucknell so bad, I want to go to Bucknell so bad." And my brother Andrew is my best friend, and and he was like, "I I, I talked to him during the whole process, and I'm like, dude, Bucknell is where I want to go." And he was like, you know, just wait, just wait. You know, you're going to figure it out. Take your time. Don't rush into anything. And the whole two-week two process from Philly all the way through Louisville, I, I picked up uh, like 14 or 15 offers, I think. And all like Patriot League, MAC, um, I think a couple CAA schools. And uh, some like just really, really good mid-major conferences, really good academic schools. Uh, my parents are both teachers, so academics was huge for me as well. Going to a good school, I can get a good degree. So, and it came down to it. And at the end of nationals, literally the last day of nationals, uh, or the last week in Philly, I dislocated my shoulder, and I went to the trainer and I I was crying. My dad was in there with me. My mom was there, and I was like, Dad, I don't have another opportunity. Like I have to play. And I said, Otherwise, I won't I won't play Division One basketball. So trainer uh wrapped it up and I, I i played the rest of june and july uh with a what ended up coming to find out ended up being uh, a partially torn labrum and rotator cuff that led to my injury my freshman year so um but i did a bunch of prehab and stuff i was strengthening it and i played all of june and july uh with a partially torn rotator cuff and labrum and coach lee the last day of nationals called me and was like, Hey, my man, awesome week, you know, really proud of you. 
we'll be in contact. And the next day, my parents and I are at breakfast, getting ready to leave Louisville. And Coach Paulson calls me and was like, Nate, I want to offer you a full scholarship to Bucknell. And I'm getting goosebumps because I remember I, I, I was like, you know, I thank you so much. Thank you so much. I almost committed on the phone, honestly. And uh, he, I, I hung up. I started crying. And my mom and dad were like, what? I said, Coach Paulson just offered me a scholarship to Bucknell. And my mom started crying. My dad's crying. And we had like a nine-hour drive home. And uh, it was just – it was – a dream come true for me because it was all the early mornings and late nights that me and my brother spent in the gym and he was beating my butt up when I was a kid, just whooping me and, and I go in for a layup and I'm getting tackled to the ground and it wasn't on, he didn't know how to play. It was just, you need, you need to be tough. You know, you want to play division one basketball, you got some big boys. So uh, I grew up with two Marines for brothers. So naturally you could, you could assume what my childhood was like uh, with those two. So um, man, it was, it was a dream come true. And then, Two weeks later, I get a call from Charles Lee. Nate, I have an opportunity that I can't turn down. The Atlanta Hawks want me to come and be on their staff. And I was like, no, like, you're the whole reason I'm coming to Bucknell. And, uh, man, he was he, – or, sorry, that next that next August, sorry. And and he was – and he – and, like, to this day, I, I still reach out to him every, you know – couple times a year see how he's doing he still responds so that just goes to show you no matter the position that you're in if you know coming from Bucknell like you are always going to be a part of that family and and you know he's an NBA champion he had, he, did, he doesn't have to respond to anybody you know he, he has that that chip on his shoulder but he's an incredible person and arguably the biggest reason I went there and you know after seeing his resume and what what it was like for him to be a part of those really really good teams in the early 2000s I was like, man, I, I want to do the same thing. I want to win. I want to win championships. I want to hang banners. I want to have rings. I want to be a thousand point scorer in college. Like that's, I was a thousand point scorer in high school. I was a dream I set for myself when I was a kid. And I'm like, I want to be one in college too. And uh, ended up working out, but going to Bucknell for me was, was number one, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's some awesome, vi- awesome, vivid storytelling right there, Nate, which I appreciate. I mean, the biggest thing I think I took away is sort of those ups and downs right? You played so well in that circuit, in that two week stretch, and then you injure yourself, right? And then you get the call saying there's a full ride to Bucknell. And then the guy you've built the best relationship with has to go off to the NBA. And that can be tough to reconcile for a 17, 18 year old kid to sort of understand those opportunities for uh, older guys, right? It might be difficult for you to sort of appreciate what that is but now as you've matured I'm sure you can and and you were able to do that as well but I mean the ups and downs of that of that stretch right there is something that I won't forget in that story yeah it was and honestly as as crazy as it sounds it's that's been my whole my whole basketball career honestly it's just ups and downs and and oh sorry about that and managing that and and finding that balance and and as, as like I said earlier, like as much as I love basketball, I've, I've really hated it at times. And I'm like, man, why? Like, everybody says, you know, why me? Why me? But I'm like, man, I, I try to do the right stuff all the time. I try to be a good person. I, you know, all these things. And then I get into, I get into Bucknell my freshman year, and I don't know how to play help defense. So I'm not in the rotation at all. I didn't even play in the first two scrimmages. Remember, I called my brother. is like, I never, I've never not played. Like, this is crazy. I just came off of 
arguably like, you know, the best high school season ever in my high school history. And, you know, and I'm very fortunate to be in that position because I, I put a lot of work in, but I had, I had an incredible, incredible team and an incredible coaching staff in high school. And uh, my dad was the athletic director. So I had the, the keys to the gym. So I was in there every morning and I get in freshman year at Bucknell and I finally cracked the rotation right before Christmas. And then the first game after Christmas, I tear my labrum and I have to get surgery. And I'm like, I, I hate basketball. I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. And my brother was like, dude, better stop or I'm going to, I'm going to, cause he was at Allegheny college in Meadville, Pennsylvania. He's like, I'm going to drive down. I'm going to kick your butt. And I was like, okay, I don't want that. So, you know, he's like, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself. Use it as, use it as an opportunity to grow, you know, test yourself, you know, the patience. And then honestly, that was the biggest thing for me moving moving forward in my college career is I learned how to watch film. I learned how to dissect basketball and not just watch highlights. And as unfortunate as getting hurt was, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it gave me a medical redshirt year, which ultimately led to the greatest decision I've ever had to make. And it ended up being a very, very good one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's good to have perspective from – an older brother. I, I know you referenced you have two older brothers that are Marines, but I can't imagine they were feeling too bad for you <laughs> no. uh, when it came to when it came to basketball, right? So, Nate, I want to dive into uh, the nitty gritty, some of the details of your time at Bucknell. We've already referenced the two tournament games where you hung tough, hung incredibly tough against Michigan State and West Virginia. Let's start with the Mountaineers. Can you tell us a little bit about the prep going into that game? Uh, preparing for that vaunted press that they were so known for, going up against a Hall of Famer in Bob Huggins. Uh, and then also, can you talk a little bit about how you guys were able to mount a comeback despite being down 15 in that first half where a lot of mid-majors against a powerful team could fold? Touch, touch a little bit on uh, the prep and then also that awesome comeback. Honestly, uh, the the preparation is is all was all in our coaching staff. They when I the scout the 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 plays the name calling for their play everything their hand gestures everything we knew it and, and like you knew you, said, you knew West Virginia's is what yeah you're like I'm, okay. it was I've never been so focused on a game up to that point in my life like because I was like okay Nate you had played a little bit this year but you're probably gonna play in the NCAA tournament like you need to be focused if you there can't be a difference between when you're in the game and when the starters in the game maybe not production wise but just energy wise so I, I i pride myself on that too energy and effort those are things i can control and when i tell you the prep for west virginia was probably some of the hardest scout team ever we played we played like 9 on 5 it was 9 against 5 full court press and it was it was like, and they, they, you know, tagged it mayhem. Like it is mayhem. We're physical. We're coaches and calling a foul. I'm running. I'm pretty much tackling the point guard. This is, I'm like, I'm playing football right now. Like these guys and coaches like, no, like if you think that West Virginia is going to take it, like, and, and they didn't the physicality, big 12 basketball, like Nathan Adrian was ahead of their press. It's six foot nine monster an incredible shape doesn't get tired, can guard one through five. And then behind him is Javon Carter. Oh, my God. And then behind him is Daxter Miles. We're like, this is an unbelievable team. But then we're like, we're pretty damn good, too. 
and we're fast and we're small and we play fast. Like we can really, you know, we can really make make a little run. So when when we go down, it, you know, our 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 whole mentality after after my freshman year, we we kind of coined this phrase that we we really bought into was just you know we had this down ten mentality everywhere we went. Right, it didn't matter if we were up thirty, if we were down fifteen, it always down ten because that's a reasonable comeback. Man, it's something you do, you can you can be down ten with two minutes left. That's a winnable game. And Coach Davis comes in and he was like, you know, he's talking in the, the huddles, he's talking at halftime, like, like, what do you expect? It's West Virginia. This is a very good team. You guys expect to be up thirty? No, like this is going to be a dogfight for the next twenty minutes. And our our veterans on the team who had never been to the NCAA tournament were like, I mean, we have one. The, did we have everything to gain and nothing to lose? Like, we're not even supposed to be here. You know, a lot of people don't, they don't, you know, they don't want us to be here. They didn't think that we'd be here, blah, 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 blah. And it just was a, a group of 14, 15 guys that just were, honestly, were just some dogs that <laughs> for the last week of preparation, we just bought in. Man, we, even like when we would do substitutions, like our starting point guard, when he's the head of the press on defense, Oh, he's the head of the press. He is Javon Carter. He is picking you up, bumping you, fouling you, pushing you. Our starting center, Nana Fallen. Oh, he's Nathan Adrian. As soon as you inbound the ball, he's trapping, he's pushing you. He's and it, but it was the fact that there was no difference between the starters and the and the substitution guys and the backups when we did scout team. And I think that was the biggest thing for us moving forward that we never there was never a, a, a gap between those two groups. That team was very impressive. I'm talking about yours, um, just in terms of how you guys played. I, I remember how fast you were and may have been outsized, but could have been used to your advantage as well. If we look at Michigan State, now you mentioned Javon Carter, obviously a a professional in the NBA. You've played against a lot of professionals. you played with a lot of professionals at your time at Kentucky. Uh, but when we look at Michigan State, you got to deal with Cassius Winston, Miles Bridges, and then the added layer that I think a lot of people forget, probably not you, but a lot of people, is that that was a road game, if we're calling it what it is. You were playing in Detroit. Take us through that that matchup against Sparty. Man, that was uh, – man, I, I still have a sour taste in my mouth. But, you know – it, it is what it is. You can't. can't this is complain. a safe space, Nate. Let it out. It, I, I tell you what. Our team, when we watched this election show, it was like we were going to, I think it was going to be like Clemson in San Diego or, or uh, an ACC squad. I can't remember who it was in San Diego or like Michigan State in Detroit. And we're like, dude, there's no way they give us a 14 seed. We, we had like nine, maybe eight losses on the year, nine losses. We had an incredible record. I don't even know if we had eight. I don't even remember our record. I just remember we were too good to be a 14 seed or whatever they gave us. And Michigan State was way too good to be a two or three seed, whatever they ended up being. And we're with the selection show, and they're like, Michigan State in Detroit. And we're like, damn, there's no way that's us. Like, there's no – and it was like, fuck no. And we were like, oh. Like, man, we just went to freaking Buffalo the year before, and there was a four-foot snowstorm, and we played West Virginia, who was unbelievable as well. Now we got to play Michigan State in Detroit in the middle of March. Like, man, come on. Like, no way. 
And honestly, it was it was kind of the same preparation. All right, they got you know four or five NBA players on their team, projected lottery pick in Jaron Jackson Jr. and Miles Bridges. And how did I forget JJJ? And and you know what, Zach Thomas killed him. I Zach Thomas killed him. I was like, man, this is nuts. I never I've seen Zach score a lot of points. He had thirty eight or thirty seven against Stony Brook. He scored almost you know. 15, 1800 points in college, whatever it was. He, Zach puts the ball in the hoop. I've never seen Zach that locked in and turn it. Oh my God, it was unbelievable. But preparation wise, we were like, all right, you know, it's just the luck of the draw. We got to play Michigan State and Detroit. And when I tell you it was green, the whole arena was green. And then just this little section of orange, this little square, it, it was a home game, man. It was, it was, a home, it was a home game, and it was tough because they had the roster that they did. The coach, the coach, you know, Coach Izzo was a great coach, and I, I got the, I got my revenge the next year. I got to play him again, or two years later. But it was, uh, it was tough, man, because it, they just, they were so, so big, so strong, and. They just had the power of the crowd behind them. Like they would hit a shot, and it's just you're like, okay, okay, like, let me calm down, you know, blah blah blah. And Nana Fallen having a great game, Kimball McKenzie having a great game, Stephen Brown great game, Zach, and then it's like, oh wow, we're in this. This is we're in this game. There's no, you know, we we had some ups and downs throughout the game, and then it's it's getting into crunch time, and it's like you just felt this like. We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're we're gonna win this game. And they just uh, I can't remember his first. I think Josh Langford. He was like nine for nine from the field, just unbelievable from fifteen feet. He didn't miss a jump shot. And we're like, dude, like Josh Langford, you're a good basketball player, but our whole scout was like, okay, Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson Jr., Cassius Winston. Yeah. Josh Langford, you were the you were the guy that were that was like a little bit farther down, and it's no disrespect to him. It's just the 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 guys you had on your team. You had great players, and he went, oh my gosh, he went crazy. And I'm like, like come on, man, we're really about. I think we ended up losing by about four. I I think I think it was eighty four to eighty or eighty two eighty six something like that, but man, Zach Zach Thomas did. To this day, I, I'll say it out loud. I'll say it to anybody. Zach Thomas killed Jaron Jackson Jr. that game. And, and we were like, he's a lottery pick. This is crazy. And then, like, two months later, it's like, oh, he's a lottery pick. Because you watched every other one of his games, and it was just like he had a bad game. The next game, he had, like, 25 and 15. You're like, okay, he's a lottery pick. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, you got to hold your hat and hold your head high uh, regarding that game. But, I mean, I think the biggest thing I took away after those two very close losses is this is the mark of a really good mid-major program. Um, Obviously you want to win every single game. There's no moral victories, but we see mid-majors get blown out all the time. If you're competitive with a Michigan state and a West Virginia, and you're a team that's consistently in the tournament relevantly or relatively speaking, Mm -hmm. that's Bucknell basketball. And I'm actually kind of, 
equating that with a, a more recent run that we're seeing at Colgate. I know that I think they're in the Patriot uh, League as well, man. Matt Langle does a great job with them. They they are super competitive. They almost knocked off Arkansas a couple of years back, but I'm kind of seeing Colgate as as uh, a corollary there a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, I I don't want to you know I don't want to give Colgate any credit. I I don't want to, but I have to because Matt Langle, he's man, he their coach has been even when I was a, I think my junior year, we played them in the championship, and they had given us a run for our run for the money every time we played. Every single time we beat them on a buzzer beater that was on top ten plays. Kimball McKenzie hit a crazy one in the corner. Um, his game plan, his structure, the, his players have really bought into what you know what he's asked of them. Um, and at a mid-major program, that's what you want. You don't have guys coming in one and dones and you have guys that are there for four years. So it's a little bit easier to have guys that are going to come in, buy in, really embrace the structure and really embrace the, you know, the family aspect and the mentality, excuse me, the mentality that you would like them to have and embrace that struggle and journey. Cause it, it could, you know, it might not be there your freshman year, but it sure could be there your sophomore, junior, senior year. And we battled. And I remember um, my junior year, we beat them man, we beat, we beat the brakes off of them in, uh, in the championship. And that was the year that uh, Drake's song God's Plan came out and they just kept playing it over the speaker. And that was like our team's song. Cause we were like, man, like this is really what we've been, you know, been embracing all this stuff. Well, man, fast forward a year later, we lose in the championship my senior year at Colgate and they're blasting it through the speakers. And I was like, I'm walking down the hallway. I'm, I'm snotty. I'm crying. I'm like, no, my college career is over. Like, this is nuts. And they're playing God's plan. Their guys are dancing. There's water bottles getting thrown. And I'm, I'm in the little uh, media room. And the, uh, I remember this guy distinctly too. I wanted to. It's probably the one time I wanted to, you know, really get a hold of a, a reporter, or whatever. But he was like, hey, you know, you had such an, you know, you and Kimball had such an incredible senior year. You made it all the way to the championship. It's pretty unfortunate. Like, you know, how does it feel to make it and then lose in the championship? There's got to be a better way of phrasing that. I was like, I just remember I, I looked up and I looked at my coach, Coach Davis, and I was like, it sucks. And I just, I, I was done answering questions. I was like, there's no way you just asked me that. I make it all the way to the championship my senior year of college, my senior year arguably going for a three-peat and you're like oh man you made it all the way and you lost how's that feel doesn't feel too good my man i'll tell you that <laughs> no. oh that's funny that's a, do, so do you think colgate played god's plan on purpose oh for sure 100 percent. because undoubtedly a, a couple a couple weeks later jordan i think it's jordan burns their point guard unbelievable game and i i have to give him credit he was an incredible player uh in the Patriot league. I don't know where he's at right now, but he fantastic career at Colgate. He, uh, he came out and he said, I didn't listen to God's plan for 365 days because of the sour taste left in my mouth. And that's oh, a great song. That's an incredible song. It's tough to avoid it too. I'm sure during that time, oh, man. And, and it was on every, you know, you went to the cafeteria, it's playing you and the, the radio where you're at opposing teams games. He's like, I worked out. If you ever watched it, he warmed up with like either AirPods or headphones in. 
Wow. I, I got to go look back at that film because that's an incredible story, Nate. So obviously we talked about you having to play a true road game essentially against Michigan yeah. State. That's a that's a fan base that travels well, even though they didn't really need to show their traveling chops uh, going just to Detroit. You think this is your last game of, of your college basketball career and then you head to a school that has probably, in my estimation, the best traveling fan base in America, you end yeah. up at Kentucky. You go to Kentucky. All right, Nate, can you take us through? I mean, you're essentially getting re-recruited at this point. I think what I'm most curious to know is your relationship with John Calipari and kind of take us behind the curtains of who Cal is because he's such the he's this giant figure in the sport yeah. that we cover. No, it, 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 I, uh, man, I just, I get like, it's like, I smile because I'm like, man, it's still unbelievable that I ended up playing there. Uh, after that Colgate game, we had about a five-hour bus ride home uh, from uh, from the from university, and I'm sitting here. I don't even remember the. I don't even know if it's Colgate, New York. I don't even remember the name of the city. I don't even want to. I just remember getting on that bus. I had my post-game meal. I call my brother. I'm in the back of the bus, and the four seniors are back there crying, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I. And I had I was playing through an injury that uh, nobody really knew about. Um, I had a, a foot sprain that I, I sprained on senior day, um, a Liz Frank injury. So there's like I, whatever I sprained a couple of ligaments in the middle of my foot. Super painful. Uh, I wasn't even practicing. I was just playing in games. So I was paying attention in scout. I was resting. I was rehabbing, and I, I was I did like shoot arounds and stuff. And then I was I just played. So. Um, I, I, my, my one assistant coach, I'm on the phone with my brother. I'm talking to him. I'm like, dude, I, you know, because it was, you were allowed to start to talk to agents at the time. And I was like, you can talk to an agent, but you can't commit. And then, um, and I, my, the, the summer before I knew I had an extra year of eligibility and I told the Bucknell staff, like, I don't really want to use it. I, I don't want to be in school for another year. I really want to just go play pro, make some money, blah, 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 blah. I never had any money. So I was like, I want to go make some. My one coach was like, dude, you know, I, I can help you with the agent stuff. Uh, if, if that's what you want to do, if not, then like we could, we could look into this grad transfer thing. And I'm like, man, I don't want to go to school. And it had like, I'm, I'm, I was, I was a good student, but it, I was like, dude, this is another year at another year of school. I don't want to do this. I just want to play. I'm trying to make he, some money. I get it, man. I really, oh, I really did. But at the end of the day, it, uh, I sat down with him. I sat down with the whole coaching staff at Bucknell. They were, before I even put my name in the grad transfer portal, they were like, we'll reach out to some people. We'll get some, uh, you know, some feedback. Like, what kind of level could you really play at? Because you had a really good year this year. Like, let's, and Ryan Ayers uh, was at Notre Dame. He was uh, a coach at Bucknell at the time uh, when I was a freshman. And then he ended up going to Notre Dame. He had called me and was like, Hey, I, I reached out to him. I was like, Rares, can I ask you a couple questions? I just want to pick your brain. He's like, dude, of course I think you could be a high major player. It's just you got to develop. Like that's that's what your biggest flaw is going to be is can you guard high major guards and can you guard high major bigs? And I was like, okay, like sweet. I That's the feedback I wanted to hear. So we had reached out to a couple of schools, get a little bit of feedback. Um, a couple of them were like, hey, you know, we don't have any scholarships. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to go from having a scholarship to not having one. So – uh, and, I, and that's selfish, I know, but and I don't want to pay for school. I haven't paid for the last four years. I'm not going to pay for the fifth one. And uh, 
I'm sitting here and I, I was like, you know what? I was going back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, I'm going to put my name in the grad transfer, or the, the transfer portal. And my one coach, John Griffin, who's at St. Joe's now, is like, just so you know, you put your name in this portal, you're opening it up. Like, this is about to get crazy. And I was like, no way. Like, he's like, no, like, this is about to get crazy. And it was like 11.51 a.m. I went to the compliance office, Dan Isif. I said, Dan, I'm, I'm, I'd like to put my name in the transfer portal. Uh, I needed my release from the university, blah, 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 blah. And like I said at the time, I'm still hurt. So I'm, I'm in a walking boot. I'm just shooting free throws. And I've been lifting weights. And I'm sitting here. It's not making any sense to me. I'm like, man, what? It's like 12.04 and I have like 18 missed phone calls. Unbelievable. I'm sitting here. This is nuts. My I my phone was blowing up. I, I put my phone down. I just went, I lifted, I came back. I had and I and I don't I don't want to sound arrogant at all because it's not the case. I never have felt so like wanted. It this was like, you know, it, I don't even know how to explain it. It was so humbling because it was high major schools were like, hey, we saw that you're in the transfer portal. Like, is everything okay? What's going on? Um Jeff Capel had just gotten a job at uh, University of Pittsburgh. My whole family on my mom's side lives in Pittsburgh. My sister lives there, uh, my oldest sister. And he was like, hey, like, we know that your family lives in Pittsburgh. This could be an awesome opportunity. They could go to all your home games. And I'm like, this is, that was about a weekend after I started talking to him. Uh, Jamie Dixon at TCU. Like, it, it was just started off with some people that I had played against the past couple years. And then it, I'm, I'm up in the training room getting treatment one day on my foot. And uh, my assistant coach, Joe Meehan, he was like, hey, uh, he had this really long text typed out. And I'm like, and I have a great relationship with him. I still, to this day, I still do. And I was like, man, who are you texting, your girlfriend? And he's like, no, I'm texting John Calipari. And I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, no, you're not. And he's like, no, like, he's like, dude, why would we not? Because he, he had coached Brad Calipari in like an overseas trip in the summer on like a, a Goodwill tour you know, you go over and you meet with some schools and all this stuff. So uh, he's like, I have coach Kyle's number just because I've been with Brad. And I'm like, dude, you're really going to send John Kyle Perry a text about me. And he was like, I'm like, why not? The worst he could say is no. And I was like, like, all right. And I would say six, seven hours later, I, I get a call. It's probably like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. And right after he sent that text, Cal texted him back and was like, I'm about to go to practice because they were in the tournament. He's like, I'm going to go to practice. I'll call you after this practice. I'm going to watch his film. Well, if you know anything about John Cal Perry, he watches film more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Like he walks around with an iPad everywhere in the practice facility watching games. Like this guy, he loves basketball. And my coach calls me. He's out of breath. And I'm like, me, like, me and you good? He's like, dude, I just got off the phone with John Cal Perry. He's like, he freaking loves you. And I'm like, what? He's like, he watched some of your games on volume, heard you talking through screens, heard you rebounding, saw you doing all diving on the floor, you dove in the stands. Like, he's like, he's going to call you tomorrow. And I'm sitting here, I'm in the, my apartment with my best friends, the guys that I'm you know, on my team that are seniors. And they've, the whole process, they've been like, they've been cheering me on. They're like, dude, this is amazing. Like, we're happy for you. So I got off the phone. I'm like, yo, like, he just said John Cal Perry. And they were like, Kentucky? Like, no way. And I'm like, Kentucky, this is this is freaking nuts, dude. This is crazy. And I'm, I'm in the gym the next day shooting free throws, getting ready to go lift. 
I got my headphones in. I somebody you know went do 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 do. My phone was on the baseline, so I I'm like hello, and it said Lexington is a call from Lexington, Kentucky, and it didn't register for some reason. It didn't register. Why am I getting this spam call from Lexington? Right, and I had been getting like the hey, your freaking insurance is up and all those calls all the time, and he's like hey, is is this Nate? And I'm like yeah. He's like hey, it's John Cal Perry. I I grabbed my phone, I muted it, and I was like. And I, I was like, hey, coach, how you, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. And the the conversation, the initial conversation was just amazing. Like, I don't even, damn, man, it is it's crazy because he was just like, you know, you're from Pennsylvania, I'm from Pennsylvania, you're a blue-collar kid, I can see it, like, I can sense it, like, that's what I need. You know, with this recruiting class that I'm bringing in, like, I want you to come on a visit, I want you to see how we practice, I want you to see what it's like for us to practice for the NCAA tournament. Because you're going to be there if you come here. Like you're, and that—that that was the biggest thing for me is I needed to go somewhere where I could play in the NCAA tournament. It wasn't—I didn't need a play-in game. I didn't need to play and win the conference tournament. I'm—I want to go somewhere where I'm going to get—I'm going to play in the NCAA tournament. And there's no better play. There's no better place in Kentucky. I don't care what anybody says. And I'll put Villanova up there as well. But Jay Wright did not have a scholarship spot, so. He's a Bucknell guy as well. So we reached out to him, and he was like, I don't have a scholarship. So, okay, no no hard feelings. But I'm sitting here, and I'm like, man, I'm on the phone with John Kelp. And I remember I, I screenshot the call, and I sent it to my boys. And I was like, look who I just talked to. And they were like, no way. This is crazy. So I called my parents. I called my brother. I called my family pretty much. I'm like, listen, I just, I just got a call from Coach Cal. Like, this is crazy. And I go on my visit. Uh, that was, uh, like end of March and I go on my visit kind of right at the end of March and they had just lost to Auburn and coach was like, Hey, I still would really like for you to come on your visit. Uh, we just won't be able, you won't be able to catch practice. Um, he's like, but some of the guys are still here. I, I just, I want you, excuse me. I want you to see some of the guys, meet them, talk to them and Reed Travis was there. So I. I had reached out to Reed and I was asking him a bunch of questions. And when I get, I land in Lexington, coach Barbie picks me up from the airport. Um, he's at central Michigan now. And him and Joel justice met me and my parents at, uh, out for lunch. Joel justice is at NC state. Now Joel was still one of my, I'm, I'm, I have a great relationship with Joel. Uh, and coach Cal, we, you know, we go to his office and it's this, it doesn't look like the Bucknell offices. I'll tell you that it was this man. They, the practice facility is crazy. The lodge is crazy, but coach Cal's office. I'm like, man, this is nicer than my house. Like this, man, you got like this mahogany chest, you know, this big drawers, all these cabinets, these mirrors, all this basketballs, national champion, this autograph signed shoes from Drake. Like, I'm like, man, this is, this is crazy. This is, this whole office is nuts. And he's tall. I'm like, man, you're, you're you're always around like seven footers and you look little. I was like, you're like six three. You're kind of kind of tall. I dap him up. My dad, you know, daps him up, gives him a little hug. My mom, he gives my mom a hug and he's calling him mom and dad. And my dad like pats him again. He's like, man, I just I wanted to make sure you were real. And I'm like, oh my god, what the heck are you saying, dad? This is <laughs> I'm gonna lose my scholarship offer. So hey man, that's, that's an awe inspiring moment for your pops too. Man, it, and and it was, it was, and I'm like, Dad, shut up! Like I'm like nudging, I'm like, shut up! 
and coach starts laughing and he's like, Hey, I have, he's like, I have an interview on ESPN that I got to do. He goes, but I'm, uh, Joel's going to drive you guys around campus. And he goes, we're going to go, I'll, I'll meet you guys at dinner. He's like, I'm sorry. I have to do this. I got to go, you know, whatever. I can't remember what it, what exactly it was, but whatever it was. And, uh, if you know anything about Lexington, Tony's steakhouse downtown is Tony's and Jeff Ruby's are the top two. I, I prefer Tony's, but we go to, we go to Tony's steakhouse. Um, and coach Cal's there. His wife is there. The whole coaching staff is there. And my mom, my mom and dad, they're teachers. And we, I grew up with four siblings. There's five of us that we don't go to steakhouses very often. So my mom and dad are like looking at the prices of this stuff. And they're like, like Nate, my mom's like, I'm only going to get a salad. This is like a $40 salad. And coach Barbie, uh, this is why I love me. I love those guys. Like, Cause coach Barbie's like, Nate, what are you getting? And I'm like, I was like, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a steak. And my dad's like, man, who the hell is paying for this steak? And he didn't know the whole, you know, they, they, they take care of you guys when you're visits. And he, I was going to get a steak and uh, my mom's like, oh, oh, like, okay. And he's like, mom, what are you going to get? She's like, oh, I'm going to get a salad. He goes, no, no, no. He's like, come on, what are we getting? So my mom, I think my mom going to get like some chicken, some chicken pasta or something like that. My dad's like, oh, I'm going to get this you know, Delmonico or this ribeye, whatever he's going to get. He, he loved it. He's like, this is fantastic. Like, I love this. And, uh, you know, after this, uh, after the, the dinner, go back to the hotel and I'm, I'm in there with my parents. This is after a day of just like their Kenny Payne. Actually, I got, this is the most important part of the whole visit. If you know anything about Kenny Payne, you know, anything about former Kentucky players, they talk about Kenny Payne in the treadmill. If you've ever heard stories heard about this. Big Henry is the name of the treadmill. <laughs> uh, so Kenny Payne's now the head coach at Louisville, but he was the assistant at Kentucky for a long time under Coach Cal. Uh, essentially transformed every every big guy that's been there. He transformed them into who they they really were. Like he brought that that dog out of everybody. I'm in the uh, I'm in the film room. I'm watching film with KP. He's showing me Anthony Davis clips, him running the floor. He's showing me Carl Anthony Towns running the floor, Trey Lyles. And he's like, I need this to be you. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm like six, eight and a half. Like right now at the time I was like, I'm, I'm kind of chubby. I got hurt. I'm a little heavy. I'm like 265. Like I'm a big boy. And he goes, Oh, don't worry. He goes, if you come here, I'm running that off you. And I'm like, Okay. He's like, are you, he's like, why do you want to play? Like, why do you want to come here? I said, you know, I want to take care of my parents. Like I want to be a professional. I want to take care of my parents. Everybody that comes here that's a pro is able to take care of their family. I said, that's the only thing I care about. I want to take care of my mom and dad. And he was like, okay. He's like, are you willing to die for you and your for mom and dad to live the life that you want them to live? And he didn't know that my brothers were Marines. And like, I was like, I am. And he's like, we'll see. And I was like, you don't get it. Like, I, I am. And he was like, okay. And I go back to the hotel with my parents later that day. And my mom's like, Coach Payne scares me. Like, I, I'm nervous about him. And I'm like, oh, you know, mom, he's just, that's just how, like, he's a tough guy. She's like, I really think he could get the best out of you. And I'm like, no, my mom, I, my mom is probably my favorite person in the world. And I'm like, okay, like, mom, you don't ever open up and talk about this stuff. So I want to get your opinion. And she's like, I, I love it here. Like this seems like a really, really good place with good people. And 
little did my mom know about the, you know, $4 billion in contracts that Kentucky basketball players have, but she didn't care about that. She cares about like her kid developing and, and, you know, and getting better and just being, I want to be a pro forever. That's I've always wanted to be a professional basketball player. And and I'm like, I sitting there and I'm in my parents' hotel room and I'm like, I'm going to come here. I said, I'm, I'm ready. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming here. This is, this is where I want to be. I call my brother. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm committing in the morning. And coach Cal uh, was coming from church. He was a little bit late for breakfast and he was like, Hey, I'm sorry. And then he had like another ESPN thing. It was like a big recruiting thing because of the McDonald's, I think McDonald's all American game or something. So they were talking to him about like the nine McDonald's all Americans that he had. And uh, I think it was like four or five of them, but, He's like, hey, Shit, it could have been was, nine. right. I know it wouldn't I, shock me. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I, I'm sitting here like the whole morning. I'm nervous. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to commit at breakfast. I'm going to. And he was just he's like, Nate, it's been such an honor and a pleasure to have you on this visit. Like we were so excited. He's like, I got to go. Um, he's like, please, please, please call me like when you land. And so we're like, I'm like, OK, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. And. Coach Barbie's driving me to the airport with my parents, and he's like, hey, like, this is, you know, this place isn't for everybody. And, and Cal will tell you that. Like, they bring you in to recruit you, and then they, like, de-recruit you because they tell you how freaking hard it is. But if you are willing to do that for one year of your life, maybe more, I don't know, depends, you, you're, you can change, you can change everything about your life, your family's life, if you just buy in and really, really embrace being there. And I, I just remember Coach Barbie was like, uh, he's like, you know, like, how are you feeling? And it, it just came out of my mouth. I was like, I'm in. Like, I, I want to be here. I, and he was like, oh, like, oh, shit, okay. Like, really? And I'm like, Coach, like, I'm, I'm in. Like, this isn't even a question. Like, this, this is the best opportunity for me. Like, I'm in. And he was like, awesome. And he's like, Cal's going to be out of his thing in an hour. When you land in Detroit, call him. And I call Coach. He's with his wife, uh, Ellen. And he was like, uh, I said, coach, I'm, I'm in like, this is, this is a no brainer for me. You know, I know what you guys do for, for kids after, you know, after they're done, like in terms of resources and, you know, the opportunity for Kentucky pro day, like it just, I was like, this is the best opportunity for me. I, I'm in. And he was, he was like, yeah, he's like, Ellen, you hear that? Like, like and it was like, I'm, That's like I'm on the phone with John Cal Perry. So this is nuts. Man. That's amazing. It, I, I, that was a long-winded story. I apologize, but no, I, no need to apologize. It was, man. That was that was some of the. Oh, that was some of the best. Man, that was like the best three, four days of three days. Of my, you know, co- or late college career because it was just everything I wanted. And Reed Travis was like, "Dude, this is. It's hard to be here, but like you, you buy in. Like it's gonna. And and Reed is crushing it right now. Reed's in Japan. And he's doing really well. And I'm like, man, that that's all I. I Level wise, I know I, I my dream is to play in the NBA. At the end of the day, I wanted to be a professional basketball player. So if that happens, great. If it doesn't, I'm still living out my dream. Absolutely. Absolutely. Providing for your family, which I'm sure you're doing. I mean, that's an awesome, awesome story, Nate. I appreciate you really diving into the nitty-gritty details there. And that's exactly what we were looking for. Those relationships with Coach Barbie, Coach Payne, and of Thank course Cal Perry. Yeah, did he did he run it off? Did you run the weight off? Uh, June third, uh, and the strength coach <laughs> Rob Harris, by the way, is he he changed my life. I got there June third, 
2019, I was 267 pounds. I had 18% body fat. It's disgusting, I know. But July 27th, I was 234 pounds and I was 8.3% body fat. Essentially two months. Wow. I ran, I ran, they, oh man, every morning I was on the treadmill before breakfast and then late at night, Kenny Payne ran it off and that damn treadmill. Was it big Henry? Big Henry, man. That thing was, it would just be like, you're in the gym working out. And then randomly he would just be like, oh my God, you're not working hard. Please go get on the treadmill. And you're just like, what? And it's speed 17 you're running and it's humming in the corner and you run for a minute straight and then you're just like what and then you jump rope and you're back on the treadmill and then you just alternate it's crazy it it sounds crazy people are like no way when my brother andrew uh came and visited me he got to see it and he was like you do this every day and i was like probably like four or five days of the week yeah i do yeah I mean, he, he stayed true to his word for sure. Nate, uh, I got a few more questions for you. I know I've been taking up a lot of your time, but I'm, I'm very curious to know what it's like to be a Kentucky basketball player. You, you talked about the dedication it takes. You've gone in full detail about obviously working out and, and saying, Hey, this isn't for everyone. I'm talking about though, the stuff that comes off the court. I'm talking about Big Blue Nation calling into their local radio stations. I'm talking about if Nate Sestina goes like one of nine, this guy sucks. He's the worst player ever. I can't believe Cal brought him in versus, you know, if you have a good game, he's the best thing since sliced bread. I'm I'm curious to know because I've never spoken to a Kentucky former player. And we did a we did a ranking a couple of years back in the summertime of greatest programs and Kentucky's number one. I don't think it's it's that far fetched to say, but we haven't had someone come on our program that has had to represent the bluest, bloodiest school in college basketball. Take us through what it's like really being a Kentucky basketball player off the court. Uh, it is. You you, you kind of said it. You you one day you're like, man, this is awesome. And the next day you're like, man, what did I get myself into? You know, it's it's tough. Um, and I think that the, the staff and even the, the staff that's there now, they weren't there when I was there, but the new staff, they do such a good job of reiterating that it's not, you're not just there to play basketball. Like this is preparing you for whatever, whatever comes next for you as a basketball player, as a man, as a person, whatever, you know, wherever life takes you, they're preparing you for it. Um, I mean, you do media training, you do, it's, it's crazy. So a lot of these guys go and play in the NBA, but they're preparing you for that. And I, I, I don't know if coaches talk to, you know, big blue nation to tell them to be, you know, how they are and Hey, you know, be crazy after games, but uh, it prepares you. It prepares you for the worst of the worst. It prepares you for the best of the best. And uh, unfortunately we, we lost us, I think a second or third game of the year to Evansville and uh, was not a very good loss for us when I was there. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't guard anything, man. I was, I was struggling. I couldn't move my feet. I was like, man, this is, and the, the game before we beat Michigan state and people were like, you, you know, you shoot, you shoot a three, you hit a huge three at the end of the game, you get a dunk at the end of the game. And they're like, yes, like finally, this is going to be a great year. Blah, 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 blah. We beat number one in the country. I'm pretty sure it was ESPN 9 PM, like big time game. And then we go and lose to Evansville. 
And I was I was a big reason why, why we lost that game. I don't care anybody says I couldn't guard anything, couldn't grab a rebound, I couldn't do anything. And man, afterwards, the aftermath of that, I was like, oh my god, what did I get myself into here? People like, I was, you know, you, you're in Starbucks, you're in you're in line at Starbucks after Michigan State. They're like, yeah, like at the time, they're like, man, if we could have bought you Starbucks, we could have bought you a coffee. I'm trying to buy you dinner, and you lose to Evansville. They're like, freaking bum, get this guy out of the line. Like you pay for everybody else to get Starbucks. That's that's what we deserve as fans. And it's like, man, but they they do love they do love Kentucky basketball. And when I tell you, every game is twenty thousand people at Rep Arena at least. Like, fuck. Now I think we had I think we held five or six thousand people. When I tell you Rupp Arena every single game, it didn't matter if you were playing Evansville, if you were playing Louisville, if you were playing Ole Miss. Or freaking Florida Auburn, it, I'm sold out stance, and people are there three hours before the game. Like I'm out there warming up, doing my my pregame routine, and people are front row, like watching you. Like little kids are like writing down what you're doing. Like, it's nuts. Um, and, and and I don't know, Coach Cal cracks me up, and I I still follow Kentucky basketball pretty closely because I I love it, and I, I go back to Lexington in the summers, and I'm you know I'm. I work out there, and uh, and I'm I'm watching Coach Cal now, and it, and it's funny because he's like, man, he's like five years ago I had black hair. He's like it's gray now. He's like and it's because of these people, you know. And, and he he pokes fun with, at the fans, and and they they help they hold him to a high standard. He holds them to a high standard, and but he loves them, and they love him. And you know, people obviously like you said, they're gonna give him backlash. They're gonna, you know, why are we losing? It's like, dude, we're we're interchanging teams every year. You know, and, and the, the couple times that we get to keep guys are the years that we have really, really good teams. And they're still figuring it out. But, man, off the court, it's it's tough, but it, it builds you for every every facet of life, whether you're a basketball player, whether you go into the real world, whether you get into coaching. You know, if you're freaking working at McDonald's, I don't care where you're working. Whatever you're doing, playing there prepares you for whatever's next because – Highs and lows, like I said earlier about my college career, highs and lows, man, highs and lows there. And they, losing is not an option. Yeah. Nate, I think if someone's going to, if you write your autobiography, if someone writes the Nate's Cena book, highs and lows would be like the title of it. And what I find so amazing and only haven't spoken with you for an hour, but it's so evident how positive you are and how you have such a wonderful outlook, not only on college basketball, but in life. And so this kind of dovetails nicely into my next question here, the COVID year, right? You talk about highs and lows. I know. I'm so sorry. I keep, I feel like I keep bringing up these bad memories with Michigan state, West Virginia, but you've lived this, you've lived this, right? And so you're, you're on a team now. That's a juggernaut. Point blank period. You're first in the SEC. You guys are rolling. Yeah. Take us through the moment that you found out the season was done. Oh, man. Man, we uh, we flew to Nashville. We had a SEC tournament. We're number one. We're feeling good. Uh, another ring, another banner hung for, for my college career. So that was something I, I told Coach I wanted to do. I wanted to win an SEC championship. Um. We get to Nashville and we're at, I'm pretty sure we're at Jeff Ruby's for dinner, you know, having a good meal. I will say everywhere we went as a team, we ate well. That I, I can never say anything bad about us eating. Um, we're eating well and we're watching some NBA games and all of a sudden coach gets a call and 
he's like, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden, everything just breaks out all about, you know, they shut the game down, blah, 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 blah. So we're like, okay, we're going to go back to the hotel. And, you know, things are a little weird. Everybody's like, what the heck's going on? They just canceled all the NBA games. And then we go back to the hotel. Manuel quickly is my roommate uh, on the road for away games. And uh, one of the, number one, one of the best, best people in the world. He's, he's an incredible kid, comes from an incredible family. And he and I are playing 2K uh, on his PlayStation. And he's like, we're saying, we're like, there's no way they cancel the SEC tournament, man. Like, we're already here. This, you know, maybe they cancel a couple of NBA games, big arenas, all this stuff. We're like, man, Bridgestone Arena, I think it's Bridgestone in Nashville, is pretty freaking big. Yeah. And we're like, oh, maybe we're like, you know, and we're in our heads, we're talking amongst the team. Like, man, maybe they just go no fans or something like that and let, let us play. We get to the we get to the arena, we have shoot around, uh, everybody's wiping their hands down, all the workers have the masks and uh gloves and saying the little uh, shoe covers and it's looking a little spooky we get out there for warm-ups and we're, we're we're practicing we're warming up and coach just gets a call and like hey that's to see tournaments canceled and they, they bring us in and they're like fellas you know we're gonna go back home uh and at the time instead of a tournament was still on so we we're like okay like whatever we're number one we're, we're at, i'm feeling good i'm like hung another banner i got a ring i'm like i'm feeling good you know and, but I had heard so many good things about the SEC tournament and I'm like, man, I, that sucks. So, uh, we didn't fly back because the plane that we had brought, um, wasn't going to come back until after the SEC tournament. Like we were going to stay no matter what. Well, so we're, we're busting back and it's not a long drive at all. I was doing eight hour bus rides to Boston in the winter when the snow hit at Bucknell. So I'm you know, 35 minute flight. I'm like, man, screw this two hour bus ride. And, uh, sitting here and I'm just I'm scrolling through Twitter. I'm scrolling through Instagram and man, it just, you're scrolling through and it's just breaking NCAA tournament canceled. And I'm like, what? And then Mark Everett uh, comes out. Yeah, I'm going to cancel the tournament, blah, 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 blah. And Coach Cal comes up to me and was just like, I'm like, I'm sorry, kid. Like, I wish I could do something. And I'm like, Oh man, like maybe I get another year of eligibility. I'm trying to just play it cool. And then my mom called me and she's crying and she's like, I'm so sorry. Like everything you've worked your like so hard for this year. Like, you know, she's like, maybe and and I I try to have a positive outlook. Like you said, I try to have a positive outlook on life in general. And she's like, maybe they can, you know, maybe you can get another year or something like that. But she was like, I'm so sorry. And that that's when it hit me. I'm like, damn, this, shit, this is really, this is done. It's over. And I'm just sitting on the bus and I'm, I put my head down and I'm trying to be tough for my teammates. Cause you know, I'm a, I'm a senior captain. I'm like, man, I can't be out here crying and stuff. So we go back to Lexington and I'm, I'm, I'm quiet the rest of the day. We're, we're, uh, we get in the locker room and we were like, Hey, let's, let's play pickup one more time. You know, we'll have fun. We get to play a game. We got to And I played, I'm not going to lie, I played some of the best pickup basketball. I'm bringing the ball up the court. I'm going between my legs, doing all this stuff. And all my teammates are like, you can, what? You can do that? You can dribble? And I'm like, no, but I can, like, I'm not bad. Like, I'm not, you know. So we're having a blast. We're, I'm, you know, we're talking crap to each other. We play like a best of, uh, I think a best of seven series. Like, we played for like two hours. And you get in the locker room and I'm sitting there. Ashton Higgins sat next to me. 
uh, on my right and uh, Riley Welch was my uh, the guy on my left. And I'm sitting here and I just started bawling. Like I'm talking like weeping. And I'm like, like, fuck, like this is over. I just worked my butt off for five freaking years and it got taken away from me. And I, I'm looking at like Tyrese and uh, Keon Brooks and Johnny Juzang and who else was a freshman at the time? I mean, you mentioned IQ. Was he a freshman too? He was a sophomore. Okay. Him, and, him and Ashton and Nick and uh, Nick was a junior and EJ was a sophomore. EJ Montgomery. And I'm, I'm like, fellas, like I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I can't, I can't talk right. I, and everybody's giving me a hug, and I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm bawling. I'm like, dude, this is, this is unbelievable. Like I can't, I can't believe this is over. Like I'm, I'm, I'm bawling my eyes out. And I think it hit them. Because they were like, damn, like this really meant so much to you. Like for them, like it's just, you know, as a tournament, they expected it. I'm like, you don't understand what I had to do for the last four years to get to the NCAA tournament. And I was like, and it was like, it was right there. And I was a freaking number one seed. Yeah. Oh, man. I freak. Oh. No, it's, it, it was brutal. And look, I, I know for a fact, obviously, that me and, and my co hosts, when we saw that news, right, being college basketball guys, this was actually pretty much the first sport that got impacted. Then yeah. the rest of the sports got impacted. And I just remember saying, all right, take the conference tournaments. Please don't take the NCAA tournament. And then they took the NCAA tournament, man. And I was just, again, that's just me. Nobody's feeling sorry for a guy who hasn't put in five years of <laughs> incredibly hard work like you have, but th that was my one thing. And then the other thing taken away from this, uh, we see it a lot after tournament losses. And I think this parallels well with the Kentucky stuff, right? I'll never forget De'Aaron Fox. And I think it was Bam Adebayo after they lost to Carolina, I believe. <laughs> and they are just in tears. And everyone's like, everyone kept saying, if you don't think, this means anything to two guys that are for sure going to the league that are lottery picks. That'll be just fine. Like it, it means so much to not only those five-star lottery pick guys, but people like you that put in so much work and effort. And I, I had to get your perspective on when exactly that was announced. And, you know, we, I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he, he was, uh, one of the one of the players for DePaul basketball, Pantelis Zidius. He had the glasses. He 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 danced at the end of their bench. He was a lot of fun. But I asked him, you know, what was it like when you first found the news that the Big East tournament was done, and it just gutted, just gutted, man. That's man. That's just the that's the best. That's just like the best way to put it. And then like the next, I stayed in Lexington. Because uh, I didn't want to go home. My parents are a little bit older. I didn't. I didn't know what was going on. So I was like, "Hey, like I can stay here. Like I have a little bit of money saved up. Like I'm good. Like for food and stuff. Like don't worry." And I like I didn't know what to do. I was, so I stayed with my girlfriend in Lexington. And I remember I, I met with Coach Cal, and he was like, "Hey, like I I'm I'm gonna try to fight. I'm gonna do something. I need to. I want to. I want to get you guys another year if like, if we could do it." He's like, would you want to? And I was like, dude, I, yeah. Like, not even a question. Yeah. And then, of course, I don't get next year. But the freaking next year, they get another year. I'm like, man, I would have been in school for six years. I might as well have gone to freaking med school. But <laughs> uh, 
I was, I, I told him, I said, coach, I'm hundred percent. If I can, I'm coming back. It's not even a question. Like I, I want to prove stuff. I still have stuff I need to prove. I have, you know, a chip on my shoulder, like all this stuff. And he was like, okay, like we'll, we'll figure it out. And man, I remember he called me. It was like, they're not, uh, they're not going to give you guys another year. And I was just like, just like you said, just gutted. I was like, damn, dude, five years of my life, injuries, surgeries, missed games, like all this stuff. Like people always talk about, you know, blood, sweat, tear, the actual blood, sweat, and tears that went into this, like just gone. Yeah. And look, Dad, I know it probably doesn't mean much coming from a total stranger at this point, but your perseverance and your outlook is, is, super impressive it really is having done research on you and what you've been through like i wouldn't be able to tell right no, that you've that. had to do all of a go through all of that so uh nate i'm gonna get you out of here on a few quick hitters we'll have a little fun with it first Wonderful. and foremost toughest environment that you had to play in college man uh maybe auburn at auburn or texas tech Ooh. Now, so you referenced the Auburn game a couple times. The jungle is insane. Oh, it's a jungle. Man, I don't even know how to describe the noise in there. I, it, the hoops were shaking. I man, I, and I played terribly that game, so I didn't help. Texas Tech, at Texas Tech, they were not. It was a blackout. The whole stadium, all black. Freaking crazy. And... Damn, this is also another good one. Arkansas at Arkansas. Eric Musselman is a freaking I, – I have a good personal relationship with Mus uh, because of Omar. And I tell you what, Mus, Mus is a – he's a great coach, number one. He knows how to get the people – like, you know, that it gets the people going. That's Eric Musselman, like, through and through. Eric Musselman and Bruce Pearl, shirts optional, whip the, <laughs> whip the crowd into a lather. Right. I, I'd follow them. I'd follow them like crazy. And then, yeah. And the fans do. It, yeah. it, it was nuts. Tough one. Those, those are probably the top three. I love that. Lubbock, I'm sure I, Chris Beard was was heading up that program when you were there, right? Yeah. They, so. Yeah, they were freaking good. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, let's take it to the flip side now. You're in the pros. Okay. Yeah. I don't think you're going to ruffle any feathers with this, but I'm going to go complete opposite. What was the worst environment that you played in, Nate? And look, I, I know you're Kentucky. Everyone yeah. shows up for Kentucky, but what was the environment? And even at Bucknell, that that's fine too. But what was the environment that you're just like, there's zero juice here. I can't Man. get up for this game. I'm bored. Uh, I'm trying to think because Kentucky coach Cal always said it was everybody's Super Bowl, So it was always freaking crazy. Um, He goes, everybody wants to watch you play. So that, that, that was, I, we never had a, a game where I was like, man, I'm not up. Uh, Buck. Now we had a couple bad ones over winter break. Like you go to like Colgate at Hamilton, New York. That's the name of the city. I don't ever want to freaking go back there. Uh, a couple bad ones over winter break in Hamilton. I think my soft, no, my freshman year. Uh, I was in my sling. I was hurt. We played uh, Lafayette at Lafayette, and it was just, it was just dead. Just freaking nobody there. As a pro, I would. There's a couple games where we only had like 50 fans. It was <laughs> this year is different because we have you know we have a we have a really good team. We're playing really well, and we're you know we're in a really good position in the league and and stuff like that. But 
last year I had a couple games. There was like 70 people. You could you could hear people were like, oh, you're at the free throw line. People were like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, damn, this is a tough crowd here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always interesting to know, like I said, I know you're, you're Kentucky. I wasn't going to get an answer for that. Cause everyone shows up for Kentucky, but curious yeah. to know some of the, why don't we put it like this? Some of the road venues that have area for improvement, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll see Lafayette and Colgate get a little bit better. <laughs> uh, American. That was always a tough one down in DC. Um, just like that, there weren't a whole lot of people. And then when we were good, people would show up. But over winter break, it was tough. When students got back on campus, that was when games got going. They, they would have some pretty wild student sections. Um, but American was a tough one. Um, I'm trying to think of. I I would just say like Lafayette for sure. Um, even Bucknell games, a, co- a couple home games, it would it would be pretty dead over winter break. The, the fans were typically just, you know, the older Lewisburg, Pennsylvania residents and then my parents. So my parents are no rah, rah, rah people. So they're, they're my mom's a quiet, a quiet clapper. She's a lot of decorum there. Yeah. That's oh, funny. Oh, man, was, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, if you could change one rule in college basketball, what would it be? Oh man. Uh, I would prepare. I would change. No, oh, damn, that's tough. I would say maybe the shot clock. I make it twenty-four. I, I, it, that's that's what you're going to have as a pro. No matter where you play, you're going to have twenty-four second shot clock. Speeds the game up. Uh, it prepares you for uh, prepares you for being a pro if that's what you want to be. Um, I like that. I mean, it's tough to play defense for thirty damn seconds. It's tough, dude. It's man. And as a pro playing defense for twenty four seconds, if when a team uses all twenty four seconds, I'm like, dude, shoot the ball, please. Come on. <laughs> Even if it goes in, fast, just give me a break. Like seventeen on the clock, we're getting a bucket. Our coach is like, go run, and I'm like, yes, I love this. And then like the team's like, dribble, 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 high ball screen with like ten on the clock. I'm like, dude, this is terrible. <laughs> I like that though. I, and you know what? Pace of play is a huge thing for me when it comes to college basketball. I feel like the last two, three minutes of every game are just so slow with, and maybe not, not related to uh, the, the shot clock, but if we can get more possessions in, I think that's a, sure. that's a good thing. Uh, Nate, I'm going to get you out of here on this. Like I said, you've been amazing. This has been so much fun, but just like I did Omar, I got to ask you to bring him up on stage. Who are some guys that I can bother, pester, be a nuisance to, like I was to you, that you think would enjoy coming onto the show? Man, I, I, my teammate from Bucknell, Kimball McKenzie, my team, my the three guys I went to Bucknell with, uh, Kimball McKenzie, Matt O'Reilly, and Nate Jones. I just know they're going to give you different perspectives on their college careers. Um, they're my three, you know, three of my favorite people in the world, and they are. They're freaking funny, man. They, they, some of our, you'll have to ask them about some of our early mornings, our stories. None of them liked coffee when we were freshmen. And I'm a, I'm a coffee crackhead. Like it's bad. And uh, by the time we were two weeks into fall lifts, our sophomore year, all four of them, all four of us would be walking to uh, coffee or walking to our early morning lift with coffee. And then our senior year, Nate Jones's mom got everybody Yeti mugs, uh, personalized Yeti mugs. For, for our coffee. I love it. I'll absolutely reach out to those guys. I I'm probably going to name drop you saying, That's hey, fine. 
they'll probably tell me to, they'll probably tell you not to ever talk to me and tell me to shut up or something. <laughs> no, this was truly one of the, the best interviews that we've had. Nate. And Omar wasn't lying. He said, you're going to have some great stories and it's been a real treat for us, Nate. So want to wish you the best of luck moving forward. Uh, we'll be keeping track of you and uh, hopefully we can reconnect here come March when I know you and I are going to be watching the same thing. Hey, please, because I'm locked in over here. I got the VPN ready to go. I'm, I'm tuned in, CBS Sports, ESPN, all of them. I love it, Nate. Thanks again. Hey, appreciate you. All right, want to thank Nate again for jumping onto the program. That was a lot of fun. Like I said in the intro, his general outlook on life, and when you chat with him, when you spend some time with him, like I was fortunate enough to do, you can absolutely see why he's such a great teammate, why he was such a great player. Um, Nate was just a real joy to be around, and I had a smile on my face the entire time. And and the level of detail in which he goes into describing his relationship with John Calipari, his family, what his goals were, it was really, uh, really eye-opening. And so I want to thank Nate again for coming on. That was a lot of fun. Certainly we'll reach out to Kimball McKenzie, Matt O'Reilly, and Nate Jones, his former Bucknell teammates. Um, but Nate, thank you again for coming on. That was a blast. All right, let's get on out of here with a few good things. Hmm. All right, good things. All right, again, no Shark and no Taylor, but we've been on a bit of a hiatus, of course, with the holidays. And there were some great things that I saw in the past couple of weeks in which we didn't produce this podcast, but are worth mentioning and highlighting. Let's start first with Hawaii. Hawaii sitting at 11 and three. They win their first ever Diamond Head Classic, which of course they host. And they won it on Christmas night with an improbable win over SMU. Melikaliki Maka, indeed. Good for the Rainbow Warriors. Very happy for them. And they could be a threat. Uh, but I'm happy that, uh, great thing, great thing that they end up winning their, their tournament that they host. So good thing, Hawaii. Next, I want to focus on two teams, Mizzou and LSU. Two teams that sort of share a fraternity, share a commonality, and that is the fact that they have two first-year head coaches at major programs, okay? So Dennis Gates comes over from Cleveland State to Missouri, and then Tim McMahon, who recruited, coached a guy that you may have heard of, John Morant from Murray State, now at LSU. But these two teams are playing incredibly well. Missouri is 12-1 and with a huge win over Kentucky. Nate, if you're still listening, I'm sorry, pal. But Missouri gets the job done, and I remember I was talking to the Shark about Missouri a couple episodes ago, and he was saying, well, who have they played? I suppose you could make the argument that Kentucky may not be a tournament team as we sit here today, but they're still a top 25-ranked team. Out of the 13 games that they played, Dennis Gates has won 12 of them. That's more than encouraging for a first-year head coach. And it's, it's reason to celebrate if you're the Tigers because they've been in the doldrums. This is a proud program. This is a proud basketball program. We saw that their only loss came against rival Kansas, who is a national title contender. But Dennis Gates is playing a solid schedule, um, and they're 12-1. and one. So great thing for Missouri. And I, I do think Missouri is one of those teams where college basketball is just a little bit better when they're good. I wouldn't necessarily say that they're on the likes of uh, you know, Kentucky or Kansas or maybe even in Illinois when you think of the teams that you need to be good. Shit, Georgetown's one of them. They need to be good to make college basketball even better. But Missouri, it, it, is, it is better when they're good. So 
that's a great thing for the Tigers. There, that's another commonality that I completely forgot. They share the same uh, mascot name. LSU now, the LSU Tigers, also 12-1. and one. Uh, And with their only loss coming against Kansas State, who's pretty solid, two-point loss there. But solid victory against Wake Forest. Um, and then their best win to date, a win over Arkansas in Baton Rouge, number nine, rank, number nine ranked Arkansas. Tim McMahon's doing a terrific job there. And let's not forget what makes this most impressive. It's that they barely had any scholarship players, if any, entering the season. Uh, they were left in complete disarray, really, from the Will Wade era. Tim McMahon takes on a very difficult job. And... It's it's funny, the, the LSU fan base is having to deal now with two first-year head coaches. I say first year because Brian Kelly spends his first year at, at LSU and has an encouraging season. Um, Tim McMahon doing the exact same thing with, with the basketball team. Like I said, 12-1 and one in a place where LSU could have easily just folded up shop and maybe had a three-win season or a four-win season at this juncture. They're on a seven-game winning streak, perfect at home. Uh, look out for them in the SEC. They're still pretty strong. Let's go to a little bit less notable of a team, Fordham. Fordham hoops. There's something brewing in the Bronx. 12-2 and two right now. Um, one of their losses coming against that Arkansas team that we had referenced. But Fordham's playing some good hoops right now. Uh, they deserve a shout-out. And then, of course, don't forget about FAU. Florida Atlantic right now. Sitting at 12 and one, only loss to Ole Miss. It was the second game of the season, so you could absolutely say that they're still figuring themselves out. But it, they have a win against Florida. Um, they have a win against Bryant. If if our guy Jerry Grosso is listening, I'm sorry. But they they've started out hot, and they got their best win of the season in Denton, Texas, against Grant McCaslin's team, North Texas. They beat them 50 to 46. Low scoring affair. Tons of defense here from uh, from the Owls. But keep an eye out for FAU. They definitely deserve this shout-out. 12-1. and one. Uh, They're going to be, they're gonna be a, a force, and I'd be, be curious to see where they look and how they look uh, come conference tournament time. And then last but not least, College of Charleston. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for this one. A couple weeks ago, these guys were my good thing because they started out undefeated. Lo and behold... They are in the top 25. Pat Kelsey's done an amazing job in Charleston. It's worth bringing them up yet again. But they are in the top 25, and that's something that nobody would have expected. At this moment, I would say that they are the Cinderella of the season. Uh, Nobody in their right minds would have put College of Charleston as a ranked team here in the new year. But alas, that's why they play the games. This is a, a, a beautiful story. And, and you really hope that College of Charleston can continue to play well and get themselves to an at-large bid. I really hope that the Cougars don't have to – I don't. I hope they don't play with their food, sort of fizzle out where they have to get to a point to, where they have to win their conference tournament. Truly hope that we see them hovering around the top 25 mark so that they can get an at-large bid. They put themselves in a wonderful, wonderful position to do that. So – just to regroup and recap, Hawaii, Mizzou, LSU, Fordham, FAU, and College of Charleston, over the last couple of weeks, those are some great things and some great teams, and I'm hoping that they continue their success. All right, 
want to thank Nate Sestina one more time for jumping onto the program. A lot of fun. Hopefully we can stay in touch with him, get him back on. We'll be continuing to track his career in Turkey, wishing him the best of luck. And want to thank you, as always, for listening. This is going to be a great year, folks. 2023, putting it out into the atmosphere is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're halfway through the season. I'm telling you, March is going to creep up on us. It's going to be February, and then we're going to start thinking about seeds for conference tournaments, and then, of course, that leads into seeds for the NCAA tournament. We're almost there. Uh, Keep trudging along, right? And uh, we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.